Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Regrettably, it is very easy for us to have an exaggerated opinion of ourselves. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 12 that we might learn how to think of ourselves with sober judgment that's consistent with the faith Jesus has given us. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a, it's a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, it's a good morning for Jesus, a good morning to be talking about Jesus. Um, again, just uh, it's a good morning for perspective, right? Every morning is a good morning for perspective. My my wife came, came home yesterday morning and, uh, you know, I get up really, really early, generally at 4.50 for, you know, 5 a.m., 5.15, and I get out and then come home and lay back down sometimes. And uh, my wife came barging in the house and screaming and and running upstairs and, uh, you know, uh, ran into the room. And I had, you know, picked my head up and looked around and she was like, you know, thank God. And there were, uh, there, were there were about five police vehicles outside our house and a, and a forensic um you know, truck uh, parked directly in front of our house, which is investigating, you know, why someone had died. And and our neighbor lost, uh, you know, lost a, a very, very, very close friend that he had been helping and serving a, a, a lovely Christian woman, um, Jessica. And uh, she had passed away in her sleep young, 46 years old. And, uh, and uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was unexpected. And uh, it's just, it's a difficult thing. It's, you know, they're not, they're not words for it, but this is why we do this. This is why we, we do everything we do because life is temporary. And the meaning of life is to know Jesus, to have received him, to have trusted him as your Lord and Savior first. And then to spend your life living for him, because this could be any one of us, any day, at any time, anywhere in the world. Um, you know, I had said it, it's, you know, that's, I don't know that there's a better way to go than, than, than for the Lord to take you home in your sleep, right? I think that's, that's wonderful, but of course it's hard for him and, and, you know, and, and the family and, and all that, all that they're dealing with. And so. Lord Jesus, I just ask for your mercy on this family. I ask you to be with them. I ask you to bless them, protect them, and look out for them. Lord, I thank you that in your sovereignty you took your, your daughter home. Lord, I thank you for the conversations that I had with her, Lord, and that she was a serious Christian woman. Lord, we thank you for your love, your favor, your mercy, and your grace on our lives. I pray your comfort in my neighbor, Robert. I ask you to be with him. And again, I ask you to be with Jessica's family and her children and grandchildren, Lord. And I just ask for your mercy on this family in this time. Lord Jesus, I ask you to reveal yourself to them in a deep and intimate and powerful and meaningful and substantial way, Lord, that they would come to know you and know you deeply through this tremendous loss. 
Father, we thank you again for this book of Romans. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. Above all, we thank you for Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right, so we're going to continue in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 12. And Lord willing, today we're going to do verses 3 through 8. Um, we did these in Bible study yesterday, and they're just... Uh, Again, the verses are tremendous. This chapter, Romans chapter 12, is a specific chapter in the Bible that we would do well to read it every week. We could study this chapter once a week. There are 21 verses in this chapter. Um, it is a chapter uh, about how we're to live our lives as Christians. This chapter is here and is written regarding how we're to live in light of all that's been done for us in light of all the mercy that's been shown us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right, Nathan? All right. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, again, just, just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous stuff. Again, so you recall the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul is unpacking all that it means that Jesus came into this world, that our God became a human man for us, that Jesus, the God-man, came into this world, took on humanity, lived a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, died a torturous death on the cross on our behalf and in our place that we should have died, and was raised from the dead. And that by trusting in Jesus, by relying on Jesus, by believing in Jesus, by putting your full confidence in faith in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, that all of your sins will be forgiven. You'll be delivered from the wrath of God in eternal hell, and you'll spend eternity in heaven with the triune God when you die. God the Father God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. One being, we have one God, three distinct individual persons. Uh, the, the, the entire 66 books of the Bible just reveal this mystery of the Trinity. Okay, again, one God, one being, right? Three separate distinct individual persons. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As human beings, I've said this before, we are finite. So we're one being and one person. 
what I am as a human being. That's what I am. Who I am is John Morton, right? One being, one person. Uh, you know, our God is so infinite, right? That he's one being, he's one God, that's what he is. Who he is, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, three distinct individual persons, right? Um, and so now in chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is, is teaching us how to live in light of this incredible mercy and this mystery of what's been done for us, the cooperation of the Trinity it is a cooperation, the redemptive work of redeeming us, purchasing us, paying the price for our sin. It was done by the second member of the Trinity, by God the Son, Jesus. But again, there was a cooperation of the Father and the Holy Spirit as well, right? And last time we talked about the famous verses of, uh, of verse 1 and 2. And now Paul says, for by the grace given me, verse 3, Romans 12, I say to every one of you, that's every one of us that are Christians in this world, okay? As well as non-Christians, but this is written to those who have received Christ. If you're not a Christian today, if you're not sure, in chapter 10 of this book, the Apostle Paul says that in verse 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, okay? Now, again, it's not our words that save us, but we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. If you haven't desperately called out to Jesus, if you haven't asked him to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin. If you haven't received him, as John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. If you haven't done that, you can just stop the tape and, and call out now. Just desperately call out, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came into this world and lived for me and died for me. And I believe you're alive and risen. And I ask you now to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Thank you for saving me. That's how you call on the name of the Lord. Now, again, it's not... I want to warn us again, it's not just puppeting words, right? But again, knowing that you're sinful, knowing that I'm sinful and Jesus is our only hope, we, we call out to him, right? We cry out to him to save us, right? And now as Christians, Paul says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And he's going to go on to talk about spiritual gifts here, right? Right, Corinne? And so as human beings, we have a natural tendency to think of ourselves as more than we are. We, we, we have a natural tendency toward conceit, a natural tendency toward arrogance. Every one of us, okay, um, has a natural tendency to think that we're better than we really are. We don't have a view of ourselves. Now, we're, you know, we shouldn't have a condemning view for ourselves. We shouldn't be walking around saying, oh, I'm just terrible. I'm worthless. I'm all that. That's not what Paul wants, okay? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, and you ought not think of yourself more lowly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Verse three, 
in accordance with the measure of faith God has given given you. We ought, to, we ought to be consistently examining our lives, as Jesse said at Bible study yesterday. It ought to just be an ongoing process where we're aware of who we are and who we're not. And, you know, with sober judgment, right, just properly examining ourselves, right, um, you know, taking taking uh, pleasure in the fact of the things that we're doing well for Jesus, the ways we're living our life obedient to him. And then there ought to be a grief and a conviction over the areas we're not living well. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. But a true conviction, right, that, that the areas of our life where we're not living devoted to Jesus and obedient to him, that we desire to repent and to live for him and to love for him, to give for him, to forgive for him, for Jesus, right? Um, in, in everything we do. And so, Father, I ask you to forgive us where we, you know, where I have just consistently thought of myself more highly than I ought. Help us, Lord Jesus, to think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith you have given us. It says in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And so, again, just everything is what it is, right? We don't uh, we, we, we want to acknowledge where we are in our walk with Jesus, right? We, we ought not live our lives in conceit as if we have more faith, as, that, as if we live in, in greater faith than we actually do. And it's interesting, he says, in accordance with the measure of faith, God has given you. And so we can see that, that even the faith that we have, right? the belief that we have in Jesus, the, the way that we live our lives obediently in faith to Jesus, even that has been a, a grace given to us by our heavenly father, okay? We don't even boast about our faith, right? As Paul just was in the last chapter, making sure the Gentiles weren't boasting about their faith and condemning Israel for their lack of faith. For even our faith is something we wanna understand we would not have if not for the grace of our heavenly father, right? Verse four, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, verse five, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So you see Paul is using, right, Corinne, he's using this metaphor of the human body, right? So follow this, right, Pop? Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, right? So we, we, we have this one body, right, Kristen? You have your hands, you have your eyes, you have your ears, you have your mouth, you have your legs, you have your, your feet, um, you know, uh, you have your brain, right? Um, you have your arms. And, and none of these things do the same thing. Verse, verse four, just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Our physical body has many members, our fingers that do various different things, right? Our toes. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. In Jesus, we are part of the spiritual body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're one with Jesus in spirit and one with one another. So in Christ, we are, we who are many, all the Christians from all history, right? Old and New Testament. So in Christ, we or many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So just like our body, our physical body has, has many members, right, Lauren? 
um, and they do different things. Each, each part of your physical body has a different function. Um, in Jesus Christ, we form one spiritual body. The, the, the church is, is a body of believers that are all one with one another, right? It's an invisible spiritual body of believers. We're not talking about the, the physical building here, right, David? So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So, and we all have different functions, as he's going to say in verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So we, we are part of the body of Christ and we have different giftings based on what you know, Jesus has given us, right? Um, and just like each part of our physical body is connected to all the others, but it does different things, we who are in the body of Christ have different spiritual gifts, but we're still part of one body of Christ. And so this unity of believers is a massive team, a massive theme in the, in the New Testament, um, unity. And frankly, it's, it may be the greatest weakness in the true spiritual body of Christ in the church today. Um, never have we had a church, and I'm not talking about the Middle Ages and stuff like that, where, you know, where, where the Dark Ages and all that for a thousand years. But, you know, we have become a tremendously fractured church. I mean, we have over 1,100 denominations, and some would say even well more than that. Just think about that. How many can you name? About seven, eight, ten, right? Uh, there's the Methodists, there's the Catholics, there's the Baptists, there's the Lutherans, there's the Presbyterians, um, you know, and, you know, we could go on and on, right? There's the non-denominationals, there's the, you know, the, all the different denominations, right? Um, uh, the Pentecostals. Um, so I named eight there, I think. There are 1,100 denominations. That's how divided we are. Okay, um, so I'm going to give you a secret now, and you may you may not have known this, Nathan. But here's the secret: there's not going to be any denomination in heaven. You're not going to get to heaven, those of us who, who who truly know Jesus, and say, "I'm looking for the Baptists. Um, I'm with the Methodists. I'm a Pentecostal man myself. Um, you know, I'm a Lutheran. I'm a non-denominational. I'm with the Reformers." All right. There's not going to be any denomination in heaven. A denomination is, is a human invention and it's supposed to help us to be able to get along. But but again, we lack unity like never before. And because of our lack of unity, the church doesn't have the power by any means that that it that it could have. When you see the power of the early church. When you see the unity of the early church in the book of Acts and you see the, the power they walked in, that's what, can, that's what is available when believers come together and agree on the plain teaching of the word of God and look to, to, to cooperate together, to have unity and to serve Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his people in a unified way. But again, we're so fractured all over the world. The, 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 again, there's nothing. The church building is a good thing. Going to church is a good thing. But the fact that we cannot get along um, is, is a tremendous failure. And Father, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, Father, where we have failed so miserably in being united 
as one body of Christ. Help us, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear that we might be a more unified church. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. All right, that's verse six. So again, we're part of this spiritual body of Christ. We're all connected, but we have different gifts, Paul says, according to the grace given us. Every Christian has spiritual gifts given to him or her based on the grace of God. Okay, Ephesians 4 tells us that, that Jesus has given out gifts, right? Some to be apostles, some prophets, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And then there are other spiritual gifts, okay? So wherever you are today as a Christian, Jesus has, by grace, you didn't earn it, okay? According to the grace given us, verse 6, has given you spiritual gifts. So you want to stop for a minute and evaluate yourself and say, you know, what are the spiritual gifts that I have been given? Every one of us has spiritual gifts. Um, all those I know that listen to these, okay? If we sat down, we'd be able to identify your spiritual gifts quickly. And most people have several gifts. Really, everyone has several, but you may have primary gifts. You may have secondary gifts. Grace given you by Jesus for the purpose of advancing his kingdom and his gospel in serving his people. Verse six, right, Susan, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Again, we didn't earn it. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. What does this mean, May? Prophesying. So prophesying, again, it can have a predictive sense, okay? That's not the general use of it, okay? Uh, prophesying can have a sense where you are predicting what's to come. But basically, prophesying is, is building people up, knowing the will of God for their lives based on the word of God. So as you study the word of God, okay, and you see what the plain exhortation of the word of God is, what the word of God commands you and I to believe, what it commands us to do, how it commands us to live, what it commands us not to do, to prophesy is to encourage and build up and exhort people to the will of God in their lives. And the Bible has given us, the 66 books of the Bible give us plainly what the will of God is for every human being's life in any way. It's our manual for what to believe and how to live. So if a man's gift is prophesying, now all of us are called to do this, but there is a gift to do this. Paul says, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now this means man or woman, okay? And again, don't go beyond, right, what you truly know. Don't go beyond what you're convinced of based on the word of God, right? But let it be in proportion to your faith. Now, again, there is a there is a gift of prophecy, I believe, in the New Testament that, that very much can have a, a, a predictive sense about what the Lord is saying, right, about your future. It can never be contrary to the word of God. And we ought to be very careful, okay, about saying, thus saith the Lord. Some of the, uh, you know, some of the, 
some of the scholars I was reading made the point that that was saying this very thing when I was studying for this. But, you, you know, just a, uh, a haphazard stream of consciousness that's just coming through our minds, thoughts just popping in and out of our mind. Right. Just because something pops into your mind doesn't mean that you tell, say to someone, thus saith the Lord. We ought, we ought to be careful when we're saying, thus saith the Lord. We ought to be careful in saying what, what the will of Jesus is for someone if it's not plainly taught in the scriptures. Everything taught in the scriptures is the absolute will of Jesus for everyone, right? Uh, and, and we have it laid out in the 66 books of the Bible, right? And you know, Paul is giving it to us here. So if it says it in the scriptures, right, it's the will of Jesus that you love everyone. It's the will of Jesus that you forgive everyone. It's the will of Jesus that you live in love, live in forgiveness, right? Live in giving. Um, it's the will of Jesus that we serve one another. So uh, all throughout the scriptures, we can see the will of Jesus. It's the will of your heavenly father that you believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of our of your soul. So anything that the scriptures say, okay, you can safely prophesy as to the will of God when it's clear in the Bible. Now, if you're going to go beyond that and you believe you have a gift of prophecy in a in a predictive sense or predicting what's going to happen, again, that's something that you ought to be extremely careful about. And again, it, it ought to not just be some type of you know, just because thoughts are popping in your head and streaming through your head, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that we say, thus saith the Lord. So it's something we just want to handle very carefully, okay? And it always has to be in proportion to the reality of the faith that you truly do have. Now, again, if it says it in the word of God, clearly and objectively, then you have full faith and confidence in it. If it doesn't say it in the word of God, and it's something we ought to be more careful about. Substantially more careful. Verse seven. If it is serving, and he's talking about gifts. Remember in verse six, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Verse seven, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. What is this gift of serving? Okay. Um, someone who has a gift of serving is is gifted. Now, every single one of us is called to serve one another in the body of Christ, primarily, and then to serve people who are not even Christians, right? We are called to serve. We're called to be servants. We're servants of Christ that we may serve him by serving everyone else, right? Jesus really doesn't need anything from us. Actually, he doesn't need anything from us, but we serve him by serving his people, right? Um, and those who would be his people. Um, if it is serving, let him serve. And again, this means him or her. Okay. So there are people, and I know them in, a, in my life, who have the gift of service. Okay. They have, they have an extra discernment. They have a tremendous heart to serve and to build up. It just, it comes naturally to them, right? Many of the people who listen to this, right, have this gift of serving, looking to be a looking to be a blessing and have the discernment of, of what to serve and how to serve. Um, and, and when you have that gift, you need to be using it for Jesus and consistently using it. They're thoughtful in their service. It consistently comes to their mind. Now, again, this is not an excuse for any of us who don't 
have the gift of service, okay? But you can tell when there's an anointing, when there's a power, when there's a joy in the service, that there's a gift of serving there. And if you have that gift, use it, okay? This is not rocket science here, right? If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. This gift of teaching, okay? I would have this gift of teaching. We're all called to teach one another and build one another up as Christians as to what the Bible says for us to believe and the Bible says for us to do. But then there's a gift of teaching, okay? Where you can see a gift to teach the word of God, to teach the scriptures, to teach people what to believe, how to believe in Jesus and how to live their lives in Jesus, teaching them from the scriptures, okay? There's a teaching gift. Verse eight, if it is encouraging, and uh, the, NSA, the, NSA, the, the better word is really exhortation here. If it is encouraging, let him encourage, okay? Encourage, to build one another up, to encourage them, to exhort them in their walk with Christ. Now, again, all of us should be doing this, right? Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Um, you know, but there are people who have the gift of encouragement and exhortation to consistently be exhorting people and encouraging them to live their lives for Christ. All of us need to be doing this, right, Pop? But some are just gifted at this, right? Where every day they can they can be texting people and building people up. My wife is good at this, right, May? Just, just sending out encouragement and exhortations for people to live for Christ, right? Putting it on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, using social media for Jesus, right? Um, doing it individually, doing it collectively as groups. Many of you have this gift of encouragement or exhortation. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously, all right? Some people have a gift of giving, right? And they have a discernment of giving. Now, all of us are called to be generous and to, and to help, you know, to help people who are in need. But, but some people are good at it. The Lord has given them extra resources for it. And they have discernment of how to give and where to give. They don't give too little. They don't give too much. Um, they're not doing it out of, out of emotions, right? There's this spiritual gift of giving. If it is encouraging, if it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. There's a gift of leadership. Now, often the gift of teaching and leadership go together, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes one of the issues in the church today is there are people who have gifts of leadership that don't have gifts of teaching, but yet they're still teaching, okay? Um, you know, we have elders in our ministry that don't do the teaching that I do, but they're tremendous they have gifts of leadership, of governance, of discernment, of understanding the will of Jesus, of desiring the will of Jesus, of living in the fear of God, right, Jason? Um, so there are gifts of leadership. Now, again, oftentimes people have the gift of leadership and teaching, but sometimes there's a gift of, of leadership when there's not a gift of teaching and, and you know, and that's okay, right? Um, it's good for people to have gifts of leadership in the church, even if they don't have the gift of teaching. And again, it's someone who has discernment, someone who's consistently looking to, to, to make sure things are in order, right? Um, and that and that the body of Christ is running appropriately. And finally, if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This mercy gift, again, this could mean that, that someone who's just, you know, uh, a gift of mercy could just be a, you know, a, about someone who just consistently has a heart for those less fortunate. 
Um, but it's also just, you know, all of us are called to show mercy. It's someone who's gifted and consistently not being offended. And again, this is not common, you know, because all of us are called to forgive. But mercy is when we don't get the punishment that we deserve. When you're consistently not, you know, not wanting people to to get justice, right? When you're just wanting to be a blessing, even when, when people, you know, don't deserve it, even when they may deserve punishment, but you're, you're just, you have this gift of mercy and being merciful. So we can see all these spiritual gifts, but what I want to emphasize is all of us need to be doing all these things, but there are those in the body of Christ that are particularly gifted to do them. And if, if you're out there, you need to be doing them. You don't have to wait for your pastor to tell you or your elder to tell you or certainly me to tell you or your mom or dad. Just walk out and serve Jesus. Paul says, if you have these gifts, then use them. Wow. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your tremendous mercy on our lives. And we thank you for using us and allowing us to serve you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts. Again, give us eyes that see Jesus, ears to hear him, hearts to understand him. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.